guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. But then finally the day gets here, and it's over in a second, right? It's like waiting for Christmas, it's here, and then, uh-oh, we're in 2020, and it's all over, and we have to wait another full year for Christmas again, right? It feels like it's disappointing, like when you go to Disney, and then you have to wait for another three years to save up all the money to go back to Disney. Like, it's it's an incredible situation. Waiting is terrible, but we all have to wait, right, for everything. There's everything you have to wait for. You go from, it's like, okay, right now I'm waiting for school to be over, and then I'm waiting to graduate, and then I'm waiting to go to college, and then I'm waiting to eventually, you know, get married, and then I'm going to wait to have a baby. Wait to have a baby. Every single one of you. Wait to have a baby until just so long from now. Okay, I got really sidetracked because I just thought about babies. <laughs> Ugh. So, after Christmas, the next we have to wait for that next thing, right? It could be fine arts, right? Some of us are like, after Christmas comes fine arts. We've got to wait for fine arts. Or for a lot of us in here, I know we are all going to be waiting for March 23rd, which is my birthday. I get it. After that, like, we're waiting for a convention. We're, we're always waiting. And I think that we are all always going to be waiting for the next big thing. We are all always going to be waiting for something more. Like, it's never going to really be enough, because God put it in our spirit for this not to be enough. Because this is, we live in like a, like a broken world that he's going to fix eventually, but we're waiting for that to happen. We're waiting for the more always. And there's a problem with waiting. And in the, it's just that when you're waiting, you kind of go numb. Does anyone understand what I'm saying? Okay, let me explain it. You're in an amusement park. You're waiting to go on this roller coaster, right? You see it in the distance. You're like, roller coaster time, baby. And then you get in line, and there's like a two-hour wait, and you're just like an hour in. You're just done with waiting, and you're just like, you're like falling asleep. You're just waiting. The excitement that you had at the beginning isn't there because you got stuck waiting for it. Or like even a line at the store sometimes when you just want to leave, and it's just like, I'm sitting in this line, and I feel like I'm dying. Or your parents told you you're going to leave, right? Probably, this happens at church all the time. It's like, okay, we're leaving church. And your parents said, we're leaving. And you're like, awesome. You put your coat on. You're standing by the door. You're sweating because it's hot inside. And they're just talking and talking and talking and talking. You know. you Ben knows. Ben knows about that. And it feels like you're going numb. Like everything inside of you is just dying. You're like, what? I'm still, why am I still here? You said, you said we were leaving and now you're still talking. Right? It makes us go inside. So... Here's a true fact. That kind of numbness that we feel can happen to us spiritually as well. When we're waiting for God, when we're waiting for that next thing in our lives, we can kind of go spiritually numb. And I think that every single Christian has experienced this at one point. And if you haven't, you probably will, or you're lying to yourself. Um, that's kind of true. And it kind of sucks because it feels like in those moments of numbness that God can't be found, like he's not listening. We're praying and it's just bouncing off the ceiling and coming right back to us. We're reading our Bible, but those are just words. Like they don't really mean anything. We sing songs, but then they're just the songs. You know, and it's like in the moment, I was like, I guess we're kind of getting hyped because this is music, but like it doesn't actually mean anything. 
And in those types of numbness, it's, it's not great. And you're, you're missing that experience with God because most of you in this room have experienced God. You've experienced the moments of his presence where the peace of God is just there and it feels nice and it's home and you're at peace and it's incredible. And it's also kind of exciting because sometimes he like lights a fire inside of you. It's like, you gotta go do this thing right now. And you're like, oh my goodness, I gotta go do this thing right now. But when you're numb, you don't feel any of that. You just feel the lack of it the emptiness of it. Why? Why does this happen? Why do we go numb? We once felt God close, but now we don't. We kind of lose our desire to talk to him because it feels like nothing's happening. We lose our desire to read the Bible because it doesn't mean anything. And when, when we do any of that, it, we feel alone, we feel isolated, and we feel like God left. I'm just going to tell you right now, it may feel like he left, but he didn't. It says... Uh, good news. Spoiler alert. He didn't leave. In Deuteronomy 31.6, it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He doesn't go anywhere. He never changes. He's never leaving. Not for a minute were you forsaken because he's in this place right now. So here's the thing. If we're going spiritually numb and it feels like he left, and if he doesn't change, then what, what happened? What was it? Sadly, most of the time what it is is that we are the ones changing. God is standing here waiting for us to look at him, to be there, but we're kind of like, whoop, and we turn away from him. We don't want to look at him because either there's something we're running from, there's something that we don't want to see, or we're not spending the time to actually be with him. So, here at Apex, we're going to talk about the Bible. And we believe it is a historical account of just God creating the earth, us messing it up pridefully, just like ruining everything, and then his process of redeeming it back to what it once was. That's the whole story of the Bible from beginning to end. If you read it from beginning to end, that's the whole total story of the Bible. Perfect earth, we mess it up, then God rebuilding it, restoring, redeeming everything that was once broken to something that is whole and full. That's the whole story. There's a lot going on in there. There's like a lot of other stories that kind of like point to how God redeems things and teaches us things, but the overall arc, that's what it is. And tonight we're going to talk about the Old Testament, which is like the first 39 books of the Bible, those first couple. It's kind of boring at times, but it's really cool, and especially when you like pull back and see the overall story of the Old Testament, it's really cool to see what God was doing through those people. So, if you think that the wait for Christmas, this two weeks, this wait for God is a long time, then you, you've, uh, just, just you wait, just you wait. So, we're going to pick up the story of the Bible. Yeah, this whole story of the Bible. And we're going to start it at the very beginning because it's a very good place to start. At the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. And he put two humans in the world, and he said to those two humans, he said, don't do this one thing. And guess what? We did the one thing because we kind of suck and we're prideful and terrible. So we did the one thing. Adam and Eve get kicked out of that perfect place God made for them, right? He's like, we can hang here. We can chill. And they're like, we're going to do the one thing. And they get kicked out. Bye. But what's really cool is as God's kicking him out, as he's like punishing them for this thing that the one thing he said don't do, as he's doing that, he says this. Um, because he's like full of love and he's full of forgiveness and he has mercy, he says this in Genesis 3.15. 
and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. What? Yeah, it's a little confusing. Let me just, uh, I'll, I'll uh, help you out a little bit. If you want to be fancy, you can call that verse the, uh, the Proto-Evangelium, you know? Pastor Chris talks about it all the time. But it basically just means that this is the first time that God mentions his plan to fix what we broke. Like, right after we broke it, he goes, it's going to be okay because I'm going to still fix it. Like, I love you enough to fix what you broke. This, the moment it happened. This was all the way back in Genesis, thousands and thousands of years ago. So, a little later on in the Bible, there's, you know, more people on the earth, and God talks to this boy, Abraham, okay? He's like, Abraham, you are going to be the father of many nations. Here's the deal. Abraham was, whoosh, talk about a boomer. He was so old. He was like 90. His wife was 90. They didn't have a kid. So, it felt like it wasn't going to happen. Like, that's, like, biologically not possible. But God was like, you're going to do this. And he's like, okay, I guess. And then guess what? God fulfilled his word they had a kid, and then eventually that kid had another kid, and then there was a whole family, and there was just so many of them, and they became like the Israelite people, and these were God's chosen people, right? So God chose these people because he was going to use them to ultimately bring that like separation, that sin, the brokenness. He was going to use them to fix it all, right? He's like, through you guys, I promise that I'm going to fix everything, but just you wait. And they were like, okay, cool. And so they were waiting. And like while they were waiting, they went through a lot. Like there was like slavery, invading armies. There was a civil war. There was like famine and sickness. And all this time they were like hoping for Jesus to come basically is what they were. They didn't know it. But they were hoping for the Messiah. They were hoping for that separation to like come back together. God like gave them a couple ways to do it, but they weren't like perfect. They were just like a patch on a hole that needed to be fixed. And so eventually the Old Testament ends with them just sitting there waiting. Like, what do we do? Like, they're just waiting. Like, what uh, you said, but we're here and we're waiting. And then God's like, mm, yeah, bye. And for 400 years, nothing. Throughout the Old Testament, he like reminds them over and over again. He keeps like, they forget for a while that they were God's chosen people. And then he's like, no, no, you're my chosen people. And they're like, oh, sorry, we forgot. Over and over and over again. They do it over and over. And then, for 400 years, there's just nothing. And they're just waiting. And then the New Testament comes, and that's when Jesus enters the scene, and that's like the promise that's there. So, it is easy to go spiritually numb in the waiting. So many of the people in the Old Testament made mistakes, and they fell into these numb traps of like traps of getting numb. And we get to learn from their mistakes so that we don't do the same things. And so chances are, if you are feeling numb towards God, you're experiencing one of these things, just like some of the peeps in the Old Testament, okay? So we're going to go over three numb traps, and yeah, numb traps. You heard me. And so you don't, like, fall into these traps. And if you are like, I'm good with God right now, I don't feel that spiritual numb thing, these are good for you to know so that you don't fall into those traps, if you are there, these will help you to identify what's going on, and then you can move move along. Real quick, we're just going to pray real fast. Dear God, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that when we call, you are there, even when it doesn't feel like it, even when we can't see it. So I pray that as we go forward, every single word out of my mouth is yours, and help us to identify what's going on in our lives. Amen. So, 
Numb trap number one is spiritual apathy. I don't. Are they on the slide? I don't. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, they are. So, spiritual apathy. Let's break this down. Do we know what apathy means? I'll tell you right now. Apathy means a lack of interest or concern. So, spiritual apathy basically just means that you don't have any interest or concern in any spiritual things. And spiritual things are like. No. Spiritual things are. Um, it's like anything to do with your relationship with God. So when you are spiritually apathetic, you are not reading your Bible because you don't care. You're not praying because you don't care. You are not doing any of those things because you are spiritually apathetic and you just don't care. And there was a time in my life when I felt that same way. I was doing those same things. I was playing on Sunday mornings. I was up on the drum set playing away and I wasn't feeling God's presence. I was watching a room full of people that were worshiping and getting set free and I was just there, numb, confused. And looking back, I know it was because I was spiritually apathetic. And this is primarily caused by sin in your life. When you're spiritually apathetic, you don't care that you're sinning. And I was just going through the motions to look like a good church boy because that's what people wanted from me. And I was just dying inside. And then, like, I really didn't care. I didn't want God to tell me anything because if he told me something, that means I would have to do something about it. So I didn't want to know. I just wanted to be like, I'm going to do what I want because I like to do what I want. So there was somebody else who was like this. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, there was this really great king, really great guy. His name was David, classic him. And um, he wasn't always the best. But one day, David was walking. Well, actually, before that, he decided that he wasn't going to go into battle as a king, right? He was a king, and he's like, I am not going to go into battle and be with my troops. Like, that's what kings do. You know, they're like, go into battle with their troops to be like, rally to me, you know, kind of like Aragorn in Lord of the Rings when he like turns around and he's like, for Frodo. And then he runs and everyone else runs. That's what David was supposed to be doing. But no, he was like, I'm going to stay home because I'm the king and I can do what I want. So he stayed home. And when he was at home, he was like on the roof, just like spying around like a little creep up on the roof, like... What's going on? And he spied with his little eye a lady bathing. And he was just like, ooh. And instead of like bouncing his eyes, closing the browser, he's like, and just stared. And he was like, ooh, I want that. And he was just like, me king, me want, me get. So he used his, like, he used his position of power to force her into his room. And then she ended up pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, it got raw. Like, things were not good. He for sure was sinning. He for sure was so deep in sin, and he didn't stop because he was just like, okay, well, I made a mistake. Might as well try to fix it. And then he ended up killing the guy's wife. Or no, sorry, the wife's guy. And, uh, <laughs> and like, things got bad, and he didn't care. Like, he just went on living. He was fine with the fact that this happened, and it took someone coming up to him and calling him out for him to realize what he had done and to go to God for forgiveness. And I'm just going to tell you, that's the most painful way to go through that. If you're spiritually apathetic, it is so much better to admit it now, to see through your pride, and to do it now than to wait for God to have to come to you and be like, yo, because it's always hurt, it's always painful, 
and it's usually public and terrible. As like David was the king and he had to, everyone knew. So the toughest part of being stuck in apathy is you have to push past the pride and recognize and admit that you're stuck in sin. David couldn't do it. So this sin, it separates us from God, right? And Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means everybody in here. But the Bible also says in 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. So God sent his son to die on the cross so that the separation of sin can be closed. And when we go to him for forgiveness, he gives us mercy, right? The things we deserve, he doesn't give us. He gives us life. He gives us, um, like, he's retrayed in our brokenness for something that's whole. And the harsh truth is that if you aren't following Jesus like you claim and you aren't going to him with your sin, if you are sleeping around or you are, you know, drinking, if you're lying, if you are gossiping, if you are sinning in any way and you're not taking your sin to God and asking for forgiveness, you shouldn't be that surprised that you can't feel God because you're putting that separation between you and him by not going to him and asking for forgiveness. Especially since you know, and the Bible talks about like, if you know it's going to be like, harder for you because like God's going to like hold you more accountable because he knows that you know. So make sure that if you are sinning that you're going to him for forgiveness because he's there, he's waiting for you. But we just are like prideful about it and we're just like, no, we close our eyes. We're like, I don't want this because if I open my eyes and look at God, if I admit that I'm wrong, if I put away my pride, I have to do something about it. I have to like admit that I'm sinning. All God wants us to do is open our eyes and look at him because he's just right there. Like he hasn't left you. You are just closing your eyes because you don't want to see him. You're going to open your eyes and he's going to offer you mercy. He's going to say, son, daughter, be whole. I forgive you. And all you have to do is ask for it. It's so super simple but also super hard to do at the same time. It's very confusing. Um, so yeah, that is num trap number one. We're going to move on to num trap number two. And num trap number two is spiritual winters. And this one's a little confusing. I'm going to have to explain it to you a little bit. It feels a lot like when you're going through spiritual apathy, it looks a lot the same. So like when you're in a spiritual winter, you're not going to be reading your Bible as much. You're going to be like kind of pulling away from God, feeling that numb feeling, the isolation, but it comes from a different place. When someone first starts to follow Jesus, right? We say they are born again. Like what? Born again. Oh, a born again believer. Like what? Like what does that even mean? Well, when we give our lives to Jesus, he gives us a new life, so it is like we're being born again, and you are like a baby Christian, like an infant. You're, you're spiritually young. You're spiritually like a one-month-old that like screams and poops its pants. That's you when you first start following Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, For everyone who lives on milk is still an infant, inexperienced in the message of righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who, by constant use, have trained their senses to distinguish good from evil. So when you're a baby in Jesus, it's really okay for you to be, you know, sipping that milk. It's going to be good for you just to get the basics of who Jesus is, those like who he is, who he says you are, like all of these simple truths, the Ten Commandments, the Golden Rules, all of those things are good and that you'll need them, right? You need those things at the very beginning. Who here has ever had a puppy or a kitten? Yes, they are the best, right? And puppies and kittens, when they are first born, I knew this family who had two golden retrievers, and then 
they had eight and there were six little golden retriever puppies and they were incredible and the best ever. And they were like running around on the ground. They peed so much. Like I don't understand how they could be peeing so much, but those little guys were the best, but they, we did, they didn't have to buy them food at the beginning because they were getting everything they needed from the milk. But as their bodies grew and they got older, the milk wasn't enough anymore. And if you don't start feeding those puppies something other than milk, they'll die. Die, they'll die. <laughs> like, holy cow. And that is how it is with us spiritually as well. So, like, if you are just living on, like, the two minutes you spend with God each day because you're like, oh, I'm an infant. I'm just drinking this milk. Eventually, you're going to die spiritually. You're going to go numb. You're not going to feel God anymore because he's wanting you to go deeper into him. So, because at first, faith seems easy. But there will come a time which God is going to call us into a deeper, fuller, more mature faith. And if you don't follow him into that faith, into that calling, it could be, it's not even sometimes faith. Sometimes he's like, hey, the next step of your faith is going to be telling your friends about Jesus. So the next thing you're going to do is you're going to be doing this. He has a plan for you. And when you don't step into it, that's when problems come. That's when it feels like God left. But God is not leaving us. God is leading us into something more. He didn't leave you. He's leading you into something more, and you didn't follow. That's could be what's going on. Being a Christian means that your life, it, it doesn't get easier. I'm not going to lie to you. When you're a Christian, your life doesn't get easier, but it gets better because Jesus had a plan for your life that is so much better than anything you could have come up with on your own. More fulfilling than anything you could have come up with on your own because he knows you better than you know yourself. So, we're going to go back to our, our boys, which is a gender-neutral term. Don't at me. The boys, the Israelites, God's chosen people. And we're going to go to a story that you can read about in Exodus and Numbers. But we're going to take this really, really long story, and we're going to make it really, really short. Because, like, there's just, it's too long. That would take four days to read because it's so long. So, the Israelites are now <laughs> enslaved in Egypt, right? They, like, move along, and now they're enslaved in Egypt. And God sends Moses to set them free, right? So you know the whole story. The, you know, let my people go, frogs, blood, death angels, all of it. It's all there. It's all good to go. But eventually, those people are set free, and they're making their way to the land God promised for them, right? God's like, hey, I got this perfect spot for you. It's going to be great. Go there. Everything's going to be chill. So they're like, cool, we'll go. So they're like marching to go there, and eventually... They get there, and they go in, and they look around, and there's literal giants in the land. And they're like, whoa, you didn't say anything about the giants. And God was like, well, just trust me. And they're like, well, uh, no. And they just like didn't do what God told them to do. God's like, go into the land I promised. And God's like leading them there, right? He like goes before them, and they're like, Whew. at that moment, they had two options. They could dig down and trust in God. They could put their feet down and say, I know what God told me. I know his promises. I know who he is and dig deeper into who God is or they could run and they chose to run. And I think sometimes we do that. And they ended up paying for it with 40 years of wandering in a wilderness. Like what's going on? That's what happened. At some point, God is going to ask us to move past the milk of his word and really dig our roots down deep into who he is. And this is, kind of, this is how trees survive winters, right? They dig their roots down deep into the earth 
and that's what keeps them alive. Jesus is our root system. He is our foundation. And when we are held down by our foundation and remain faithful, we can survive the winter without going numb. We can survive moving forward, even though it looks scary, even though talking to your friends about Jesus is terrifying because you might be rejected. But even if you are rejected, God is there and he is holding you. And there's just nothing else to say about that. That's just true. That's just a true statement. So God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to die. So he says, move on from that milk. Go do something cooler. Go do something deeper. Go do something better than just drinking milk. And that is number two. So we're going to move on to trap number trace. We're going to go through three traps tonight. This is the last one. And this one is spiritual priorities. We can also call it like incorrect priorities, but like I liked the spiritual, spiritual, spiritual. So I just did it this way. And now I'm explaining to you. So I could have just written it down, but I wanted it to be spiritual, spiritual, spiritual because it's who I am. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you something that you've all heard a thousand times, but your relationship with God is like a relationship with anyone else, right? If you don't put the time into it, it is not going to last. Like Pastor Sam and Chris, if Chris decided, Pastor, wow, I said Pastor Sam and Chris. Whoa, that was the Holy Spirit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if Pastor Chris just went to Sam and he was like, by the way, we are going to spend one hour a week together, and then after that I will ignore you and we will not talk. Their marriage would not last. It would be over very quickly because no relationship will last with just an hour a week. No relationship will last unless there is a relationship to last, right? And so we have to spend the time with the person for it to matter. And the Bible has a lot to say about time. And one of the most important things it says about time is something that we know, and it's that our time is limited. It can be used or wasted. It can be invested or squandered. But either way, once it's used, that's it. It's over. We can never get that time back. Time matters because of, because of the limited supply of it that we have. And it says in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 4, by the way, this is my second favorite book of the Bible. If you haven't read it, give it a read. It is just real good. Um, and it says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the, under the heavens. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. So li literally a time for everything. He like made sure to list everything on this list here. Um, so God says there's a time for everything and God has a plan for the time that we have, right? So there's a time for everything and God knows this. So we just have to figure out what God's plan is for us. I don't know about you, but I am not the wisest person with my time. Sometimes I play phone games for hours. <laughs> Sometimes it is three in the morning and I am playing Sudoku on my phone. And I'm like, why? I am not the wisest person <laughs> with my time. Because most of the time, the things that I want to do don't line up with the things that I need to be doing. What I needed to do was I needed to go to bed at 8 o'clock, and instead I was up until 3, right? As followers of Jesus, we need to know that our time belongs to him, and so therefore the way we spend our time is like a sacred issue because he's given it to us, and we know that, and so we have to give it 
use it in a way that is appropriate and is what he's asking us to do. So if you aren't feeling God like you used to, where has your time been spent? Time matters because time is the stuff of life, and when time is gone, so is life. Therefore, what we do with the moments, what I do with the moments in my life, the opportunities I take, the people I talk to, the path I follow, all of it matters because sooner or later, for you and me, it's going to be done, and we're going to have to account for the time that we had here. Time is a treasure, and the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where's your treasure? And like, this doesn't mean that you can't have fun anymore. Like, this is heavy. So it's like, oh no, I can't have fun anymore. I can only read my Bible and I can only tell. No, 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 no. You can still have fun. But it does mean that you're going to prioritize things differently than a person who is not following Jesus would. Maybe that means that when you're, you know, up until two in the morning playing COD with the boys, you get off a little bit earlier because you're going to go spend time with God before bed. Just like little things like that where you're going to prioritize him first. Those are super important. It also means that we need to prioritize the things that Jesus prioritized. That means being selfless with our time. It's going back to pride. It's going back to being selfless. And we're gonna, he's going to ask us to serve. He's going to ask us to serve at church. He's going to ask us to serve here. He's going to ask us to help the needy and the broken and the hopeless because he put all those things inside of us. He said, I'm giving you hope. I'm giving you freedom. I'm giving you like a calling. And he said, go take that out, right? He said, go help those people because that's what Jesus did. We're supposed to do what Jesus did, and we're supposed to act like Jesus act, acted. We should prioritize like Jesus prioritized. So, back to the boys again, the Israelites. We're going to, we kind of went through, through time. We're going to, at the end of the Old Testament, they're sitting there, and they're waiting for the promise that God had for them. They're sitting there, and they're waiting, and they didn't prioritize their time correctly. They lost track of what God wanted them to do, and they started focusing on themselves, and they missed Jesus. They forgot to spend time with God, so they didn't recognize him when he came. If you don't spend time with God, you're not going to recognize when he tells you to move forward into something. You're not going to recognize when he is speaking to you, so it feels like you're numb because he's talking to you. You just can't hear him because you haven't spent the time with him that you should have. And that's what happened with the Pharisees, right? They Jesus comes back and he's here, he's doing it. He is the Messiah that they've been waiting for and they crucified him because they didn't know him. So we need to make sure that we don't miss what we're waiting for. We don't miss Christmas. We don't miss the promise God has for us. We need to set our priorities straight. I don't know where most of you are with God. Maybe everything is going great and you and God are super tight. And that's great and I'm super happy for you. Honestly, that is incredible. Keep going, keep doing it. Keep pushing on in your relationship with God. Just take what we talked about and watch out for it because these are traps that anyone can fall into at any point. Most of the people that we talked about that fell into these traps are heroes of the Bible. Like David wrote songs of worship, songs of praise. He like, he was the king of Israel, the, the greatest king. He was the man after God's own heart, but he still fell into the trap and he still fell into spiritual apathy. So make sure that even if you are okay with God right now, that you're watching out for these things. But maybe you... 
are here and you haven't felt God. Maybe you are here and you said, I'm feeling alone, I'm feeling isolated. I feel like every single time that I pray, God doesn't hear my cries. Every single time I read the Bible, I feel like there's nothing there. Maybe that is you tonight. We're gonna spend a little bit of time in prayer. Sam's gonna sing a song. And while she's doing that, I'm gonna ask you to pray about some things. Maybe you are in this room and you need to ask God, hey, what, what do I need to change? Why do I feel like this? Maybe you are apathetic and you need to take the sin of your life to God and ask for the forgiveness he has for you. Maybe you're in a time of winter and you need to recognize it and ask for the courage to push past those things God has placed in front of you so that you can move, you can grow, and you can move on from the milk that you were once using. Maybe your priorities are wrong and you need to start focusing your time on God and his will for your life because he has a plan for everyone. And when you're not walking in that plan, you'll feel it. You'll know because something's not going to be right. And then when you are on the right track that God has for you, you'll know it too because it'll feel right because God has a plan for you. Maybe you're in this room and you have zero relationship with God and you're like, I don't really know who Jesus even really is. I'll tell you right now, Jesus is a loving father who wants to take the pain that you're feeling and he wants to turn it into joy. He wants to take your brokenness and turn it into freedom and into strength. He wants to take your worry and anxiety and turn it into peace. That's who our God is. That's who our God is. So it is super easy to get to know him. All you've got to do is believe that he died on the cross for your sins and then ask for forgiveness. That's it. And then boom, he's there. He's waiting for you because he is. He's just right there. He's waiting for you. So where do you stand? The numbness we feel in the waiting doesn't have to stay. It may not always feel like God is there, but he is. He is waiting for us. And there is new life for anyone in this room who's feeling lifeless. I also say this. I don't always understand what God is doing and neither will you. And that's the thing about having faith in God is that sometimes we're going to have to trust him at his word even if we don't feel it and even if we don't see it. There are going to be times that you're not going to feel him and it isn't a punishment and it isn't your fault. We just need to do our part and believe that he is there, believe that he is working behind the scenes to turn around the brokenness to redeem it into something that's better. Because he is always working behind the scenes. So as Sam sings this song, I don't care what you have to do if you want to stand up and sing along, if you need to get on your knees and pray, I don't care where you go, what you do, just pray to God right now and say, God, I'm not feeling you the way that I should be. Help, and he'll help you. Ask him, what, which one of these do I need to work on? And if you're good with God, just declare the truth of this song because it's super important. God, we thank you so much that that is who you are, that you are the way maker, the miracle worker. You are the person that can take our lifeless heart and bring it back to life again, to have a beating for you, beating for the things of you. Jesus, I just pray right now that if we have fallen into any of the traps that you help us out. We are here and we are willing to do what we need to do. And we know that you are the way maker and that you are working behind the scenes to move. 
Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.